You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday, or whatever day you decided to listen to this on. Could be any day, I guess. But it dropped on Monday, so happy Monday. And I just wanted to let everybody know, I booked my Summer Nam stuff. So if you're going to be at Summer Nam, so am I. Look me up, say hi, let's fist bump, let's talk about, you know, guitars and stuff. Definitely going to be around, so look me up, uh, shoot me an email, you know, info at tonemob.com, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, sounds like there's going to be lots of folks there, and I'm really excited to see everybody. This will be my first Summer Nam. I've been to Nashville a lot, but I've somehow managed to miss Summer Nam every time, so we fix that up. And since we're talking about Nashville, it just makes sense to talk about String Joy. String Joy guitar strings made in Nashville, Tennessee. Actually plan on visiting the the showroom. Well, it's not a showroom. The factory. It's a factory. That's what it is. They've got a bunch of machines. They make stuff. It's a factory. So uh, I'll be visiting the shop there while I'm in town for sure. I think there's even going to be a shindig on Thursday that they're throwing. So I don't know all the details around that yet, so I won't say anything. But Stringjoy Guitar Strings, made in Nashville, Tennessee, they're also going to be at Summer Nam. I think they make the best strings on the market, and I think that because I've seen it in action myself. i actually seen the, seen the process these guys go through, and it's very, very intensive, and the care and handling every step of the way is 100% top-notch. I mean, I, I couldn't believe... The, the level of detail that goes into these things. But that's the way they do it over at Stringjoy. And they got a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're not happy, you just email them. Say, I don't like these. And then you send them back and you get your money back. I mean, what do you got to lose? Go to Stringjoy.com. Check them out. They have a whole bunch of stuff that nobody else does. So slide over there and see if maybe they fit your, you know, headless, bodiless, you know, modern guitar. I don't. I don't know. They've they've got strings for everybody over there. So go to stringjoy.com. You know who else is going to be at Summer Nam? Now that we're talking about it, Mr. Sean Arbo of Gun Street Wiring Shop fame. Yes, they've sponsored this episode. Gun Street Wiring Shop is where you go when you know, and you've got guitars that need a little TLC. They need the wiring upgraded. Maybe you want to do some modifications. You want to get crazy with it. You go to Gun Street Wiring Shop. That's the place you go. They use top-notch quality components. They have excellent, excellent, excellent customer service, which I myself had to uh, utilize because I'm, you know, a dingus. And uh, they helped out, and they make really great wiring kits for just about anything you can think of. You know, the sky's the limit with Gun Street, and that's why we love them. So make sure you go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out today and let them know I sent you. One last thing before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show and that is if you enjoyed this program, if you like to see it stay on the air. You know, iTunes reviews is always helpful. Uh, that's all great. But one big thing you can do, and you're probably doing it already because you like purchasing gear. I mean, who doesn't? Let's be honest. You can go to ToneMob.com Reverb. What that'll do is take you via a link right to you, the Reverb.com you know and love. You can do all your shopping. You can do whatever you're going to do on Reverb. And a small percentage of that will come back and help keep the show going, help keep the lights on and the mics hot around here. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Your shopping experience shouldn't change at all. But if you're going to do something on Reverb, go to ToneMob.com Reverb and it will help out. And you shouldn't see any difference in pricing or anything like that. And in fact, if this is the first time you are hearing about Reverb somehow, 
if you've been living under a digital rock somehow. All you have to do is go to ToneMob.com slash Reverb and sign up for a new account. That actually helps us out too. So, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, what's, what could be better than that? So yes, ToneMob.com slash Reverb for all of your reverbing and purchasing and selling. Anything you do on there, go through that link and it helps out. Thank you very much. Okay, my guest today, as you figured out, is Emily Wolf. She's like a, I don't know what you'd call her, kind of a blues, bluesy rock and roll type of musician. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but I really like her sound. And, you know, we hit it off great. She's a super cool person and a legit gear nerd. And I don't know. She's awesome. And I think her music is super, super cool. I was listening to it for quite a while before this discussion of her coming on the show ever happened. So we talk about that a little bit and a lot of other things. And um, this one you'll notice is extra long. Well, we decided to, uh, we were recording Patreon content and she had some stuff to say at the end of the Patreon episode that I think maybe more people needed to hear. And so I decided to do something, something else for the Patreon subscribers and add this into the, uh, the main feed as well, just so more people could hear it. And I think you'll agree with me that it's probably, probably just what somebody needs at that point. I don't know who that person is, but it might be exactly, exactly what somebody needs to hear. So let's put it out there for everybody to, everybody to enjoy. But never fear, Patreon people. You got, you got some good stuff headed your way. I wouldn't let you down. That's not how I roll. Anyway, without further ado, here's Emily. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Emily Wolf. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? I'm so stoked about this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm such a fan of the show. I can't believe that um, I'm on the other end of you talking. <laughs> that is uh, that is ridiculously amazing to hear. Cause, uh, no, it's so I, cool. It, it's only recently, it feels like, that that's started to happen. I think, I think, I don't know, I don't know who the first person was that, uh, you know, like recently that just took me aback. Oh, it was, uh, it was Kurt from Converge. And he came on wow. and he was like, oh yeah, I know, I know about that. I'm like, oh, change, change my life, but I'm not going to freak out about it too much. A little bit though. A little bit. Oh man, you got to freak out. No shame. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So let's, uh, let's just start where we, where we always start. You know, what is it? What's your musical backstory? How'd you get to where you are? You're touring around, making albums, doing this rock and roll thing. How did it all start? Yeah. Oh man, how far do you want to take it back? <laughs> as far as you want to um, go. As far as I want to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, maybe I mean, a little I bit started... further than you want to go. Yeah. Okay. I'll start at the very beginning then. Okay, Hopefully, it doesn't right. get too too much. Well, if it does get to be too much, just say, "Okay, skip these deets," and then I'll skip them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um. So. I started music when I was really like when I was a kid. Um, my my uncle used to be in a bluegrass band, um, and uh, he had all these instruments laying around. And I just like I love the way that a guitar looked, and so I always wanted to play. 
Um, and I was like five when my mom got me a guitar lesson and I was super excited about it. And, um, my guitar teacher was this older man and, uh, kind of grumpy. And like, I'm like a, like a little five-year-old girl, you know, with like a, a small Stratocaster, like one of those like little <laughs> minis. I think it was called a slammer hammer is, was my first guitar and it's like a strap I know model exactly yes really? exactly what that is oh yeah oh, oh yeah i've seen those flamer hammer yeah um so he tried to teach me how to read guitar music and i i still to this day have trouble reading music but um he basically told me you know you're not very good at guitar <laughs> as a five-year-old you're not very good at guitar um oh. yeah yeah hmm. i mean i mean i'll show you that's what i'm thinking but uh, anyway, he was like, well, maybe we should try drums. And I was like, okay. So he taught me some drums. And um, then uh, then my family did a little bit of moving around the country and landed in Austin. And um, I picked up guitar again and then kind of just ran with that. Um, and, you know, did a lot of air drumming in my room and, and uh, didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up. Um, at least in the point when I, you know, at the point when I had first moved. And so that's really when I started to like dig in on guitar. Um, so I was doing that. And then in, you know, mid high school, I'd say I, I started really writing songs and that's when I started getting into like the, the, um, the like cassette recorders and like my, I found these two old Panasonic, like, um, tape recorders that I, I started multi-tracking on together and had this little Casio keyboard that I would lay down little drum samples on and then oh, yeah. Re yeah, record on tape and then record that tape onto another tape on the second uh, um, tape recorder. And it was like, you know, it sounded horrible, but it was so much fun. Um, it's just kind of like snowballed into what it is now. But yeah, that's like, you know, in a nutshell. Uh, where things are and then in college um i released a an acoustic record which was my very first record uh that stemmed from uh a brutal heartbreak my first heartbreak and then the whole record is about you know a breakup and it was is a uh, really emotional and and then um i put that record out and um it's no longer available because it just doesn't it's not representative of you know what i want to do anymore but um ever since then i've just kind of been putting out music and uh my most recent record came out a couple months ago so that's yeah that's the story i think <laughs> that's <laughs> well it's it we have kind of a a funny story of how this kind of came to be because i stumbled across you know you know how the internet is you don't really know where you start yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, you know, I get new people listen to the podcast sometimes. I'm like, where'd you find it? Because, you know, you try to put your stuff, you know, as you do as an artist, too. You try to put yourself everywhere yeah. in hopes that somebody is going to find it somewhere and think it's cool. Yeah. And then you want to know which areas are working. And then you get the infamous. I don't remember, but <laughs> I really liked it. And that's all that matters. And it's like, yeah. well, that's that's true. But um, yeah, totally. I don't know where I first found like your first single or like what's now your like main single, um, which yeah. is, was it Holy Roller? Was yeah, that, was that, that single? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. That's the same. I found that song somewhere. And I was like, this is awesome. And oh, this is so all cool. kind yeah, all kinds of my business. And and I was like, that's that's really cool. I can't wait for the full record to come out. And kind of moved on with my day. Fast forward to to Nam. And uh, one of the show sponsors, Sean, Sean from uh, Gun Street Wiring, was like, hey, do you know Emily Wolf? I'm like, I know of her. She has that really awesome song out. But no, I don't know her. And he's like, well, I just talked to her. And she talked about the podcast in some you know, way, shape or form. And I was like, well, this is crazy. And so <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward oh, to man. what, like a month ago, I was like, let's see. Let's just see if she wants to do the show. So here we are. Like, oh, my God. Of course. I wouldn't miss it. I cannot believe that you asked me on this podcast. You have yes, no idea. You can. Oh, you can. You can believe it because you're. Yeah, I hear your guitar tone. This is. All, oh, let's, let's talk about. Let's talk about that, Sheridan. Let's talk. Oh, about Oh man. It. Oh my God. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Um, I got it like eight, I think eight or nine years ago, just at a guitar center, and like I love BB King. I always have, and like. That was like the most affordable option that looked like his guitar, um, Lucille. And so I was like, I'm going to get that one. And um, yeah, I think it was like 400 bucks. And yeah, I I, I mean, I I had to like almost like grow into it because um, it was just so big and it's still really big. And people still comment about like that guitar's massive on you. And it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's got a massive sound and that's like the most important thing. And so Mm -hmm. like, especially in a power trio, you know, you got to fill that space. Like, um, but yeah, that I, you know, I tried different guitars and I just always come back to that one because it's just such a part of me now it's hard for me to switch guitars during shows. Cause I just want to play that one. And it's just, it's like a really special little piece of equipment, but, um, I love the pickups in it because I think, I think that they are, they're not exactly 500 K pot humbuckers. Like they've got it. They're like something darker than that. Like, and so, I think that's where a lot of the tone comes from. I mean, of course it's where the tone comes from, but it's like every other guitar, even if it's like the highest quality guitar, I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. Cause like the pickups are exactly 500, you know, but my share okay. is like something different, you know, and I don't know what it is. I need to measure the, I need to measure it somehow, but um, yeah, it's, that's like, it's my favorite guitar in the world. But is it is it as came from the factory? Like you haven't changed yeah. anything? The only thing I changed was the knobs. I you know, I didn't really like the gold knobs. Um so mm-hmm. I just put I put those like black top hat ones on there. Um but and then I took the pick guard off recently, but that's it, you know, totally stock. Nice. The Sheridans are like kind of uh yeah, I don't know, I don't know if it's famous is the right word, but uh, you know, they're they're well regarded instruments. You'll rarely hear anybody say anything bad about an Epiphone Sheridan. And and um one of my favorite artists uh is Lucero and Ben Nichols has famously like always played a Sheridan like live. He's always had this like the this Sheridan. I don't know if it's the same one, but yeah. he's always had it. And I remember like reading some articles about it um years ago and he was like, Yeah, well I record with these really nice um, you know, really nice Gibsons, but I don't, I don't want to take them out on the road. And this Sheridan just is a workhorse. 
And That's exactly like, yeah. You, totally. Have you ever ran into exactly. any issues with it? Never. It it is like the hammer of yeah. your toolbox. It's like crazy. It's like and I do the exact same thing. Like when I when I'm recording, I use Gibsons. Um because you know, the Sheridan it's incredible for live stuff because it's not too harsh. It doesn't like pierce your ears when you hear it. And you know, Gibsons don't either, but I don't know, like there's just something about the Sheridan that just sits perfectly in my ears. And so like, you know, I can only hope that it sits perfectly in the audience's ears, but yeah, I record with Gibsons and then I take that, that Sheridan out on the road. Nice. What What's the, I, well, I know you're a, you're, you're pretty big into pedals and so your board probably changes all the time, but what's your current setup look like with the rest of the signal chain? <laughs> oh yeah. This is a dream come true question. I just had to tell you because I'm just so all obsessed right. with it. Oh, I've just been wanting to tell people about this for so long. Um, so here we go. Okay. Uh, my main setup is I'm using a, a true tone CS 12 power supply. Then I got here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's incredible. It's so great. It's um, perfect. It's perfect. Yes. Um, and I've got a Gator large aluminum pedal board. So I got that thing underneath and then, um, I'm using a, a polytune mini. And then I've got, I found this like really amazing analog, uh, effect switcher. And it's by a company called flex reaction. And it's the compound 55 switcher. And it's like the best because there's no menus. And there's it's just basically like five different loops with dip switches on top of each loop. So it's basically like the Octus the Octus switcher. I think it's by uh-huh. Carl Martin, right? But it's like really yeah. small and compact. Yeah. So I've got the tuner going into that. And then my five loops um, are just like my gain. So it's like... I've got, what do I have? I stacked two different OCDs. So I've got like, I've got one OCD uh, set up as like a clean boost kind of. And then that goes into another OCD. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, oh my God, it's so much fun. And then, and then I've, I, I mean, my Sheridan and the OCD are like, they're, it's great. It's incredible, but it can get kind of muddy. If you're, if you're not careful. So I put a Klon KTR and I just use that for clarity basically. So I've got that after the OCDs that are stacked. And then I've got, um, an MXR six band EQ to EQ that, you know, like take down the, the, um, the lows and then boost the mids. So that's basically my gain. Um, no, I'm forgetting. Oh do you, yeah. Do you turn that on in stages or do you pretty much have that on all the time and play with your volume like like your picking and your your volume knob or is it or do you you stage that? The the KTR. Yeah, 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 like do you turn is. all that on at the same time all and just do play with dynamics or how do you do it? Yeah, so um basically on this loop switcher, it's like I've got like five different settings. So on my first, yeah, yeah, it's cool. So on my first setting, it's like just, just the regular OCD, not stacked. And that's set up like you would a normal OCD, you know, it's like volume at 10 o'clock, drive it to tone at like one is what I do. Right. 
Okay. So there's that in loop one. The second loop is my stacked OCD. So I've got that clean boost OCD into that regular OCD. So that's the okay. second one. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one is, I forgot to mention this, but I've, I've been using a Earthquaker device's tentacle and, um, for like an octave. So like I put that before everything. So I'll put that first. So this is loop three we're talking about, but it's like tentacle, uh, clean boost OCD and then regular OCD. So that's like stacked. Um, and the EQ and the, the KTR are always on. So that's in like every single okay. loop. Yeah. And then the fifth one is, um, or the fourth one, I'm sorry, is, is, uh, the exact same as four or as, as three, but, um, with a pitchfork. So it's just like a lower octave. Oh, cool. And then, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, and then the last one is just a clean, just, just, just the con and the, the EQ. Just like in case I'm feeling sassy and want to throw in some clean pads <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do you yeah. run any any clipping on the clon or is it pretty much just clean boosting? Man, I have basically the drive part just all the way down, and I've got the volume up, and then the tone control is like i don't know i have it in such a weird position that i couldn't really tell you like one o'clock or two o'clock or whatever but right i basically just use the volume and the tone as like clarity um and i got i, I you know when i was first when i first got the ktr i was like okay i'm gonna set this up in a way that i can just have it all the t- on all the time but i didn't realize that like that pedal was just so like unique in itself so it's like i was using it wrong and i didn't like it at first um i was using it wrong for what i was trying to do so basically like it took me a while to figure out that like oh i don't necessarily like the drive on the ktr in my setup like i'm just going to use this as more of a master volume kind of pedal um which is cool because it's like since it's always on i can have my tone there and if the sound person is like, can you turn your amp down? I'll just turn the, the KTR's volume down a little bit. Because it's like... Oh, okay. It's the same... Yeah, yeah. It's like the same tone, but you don't have to, like, compromise your amp, you know, not opening up the way you want it to by turning the volume on the amp down. So it's like... um, Yeah, there's, like, a couple different functions that I use it for. But so I got that switcher with those five loops, and then... um. I'm running a DD500, um, which I love that delay. It can do basically anything. And then oh, into insane. a, oh my God, it's amazing. Um, and then into a Strymon Flint, and then out to a TC electronic mimic pedal. So it's like everything is basically doubled, but not to the point where it sounds like a chorus, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's just like kind of a little bit of a double. It's, you know, just to, to fill out a little more of the landscape, but that's it. Do you run, do you run that in stereo, the mimic there at the end? I do when I'm headlining. Um, gotcha. Because, <laughs> yeah. I do when I'm headlining. 
But when I'm doing support gigs, I just run it mono because, you know, I don't want to be the, the support act that's like, well, here's all my amps, you know. I just, you know, it's easier to just go up there and be like, here's my one amp and this is all I need, you know. And it 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 does make an impression. It makes an impression on the, the production people like, oh, they're easy to work with. So it's like I, I'm the guy like, oh, I got two dual showmans here that we're going to need up on the stage. ASAP, oh, so let's figure See, this I out. Wish I, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that one day. I'll be able to do that. But um, yeah. Oh, man. What kind of amp are you yeah. running or amps? I guess. Yeah. So I've got the, my favorite amp that I have is a Fender Concert Reverb. So it's a 410. Mm. I think they only made it for like a few years in the early 2000s but it's a 410 um it just it's got like the smoothest mid-range i've ever heard it's amazing um and then on the road i take a, a 410 deville um because that amp my favorite amp is like i just don't want to mess it up so i'm gonna keep it at home <laughs> you know totally it's like the gibsons you know um mm-hmm. but yeah that's it that's it and uh it's a lot of fun yeah, I would say that's a that's that's kind of the kind of rig I imagined that you would have, which is kind of funny. I didn't I didn't really? look it up. I didn't I didn't want to cheat. Yeah, I didn't want to cheat <laughs> and like try to find it somewhere. Some somebody taking a picture of it like I do at concerts. Try to take pictures oh, yeah. of pedal boards. Doesn't so everybody awesome. do that? Everyone should if they don't, because it's so cool. It's like it's not weird at all. No, <laughs> not to me. <laughs> okay, good. My wife thinks it's weird. She's like, oh, he's doing it again. I'm like, I have to see. You Plus, it's for the gram. Said. It's it's for the gram. Yeah. Like. It's for the gram. It's, it's important. Yeah. Not it's weird to me. Important. All right, good. Thank you. That makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> so what was here's a Here's a good one for you, because I'd, I'd love to know this. You mentioned B.B. King earlier. But what were some of your like early, early or other inspirations, I guess, you know, even even new inspirations, not necessarily early ones. Just who are some of your musical heroes? Oh, man, musical heroes. I am a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Um, I think I have like. I've played Couldn't Stand the Weather just just on repeat my whole life, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like my favorite record that he's ever made but um so stevie and then i love queens of the stone age i love josh homie's playing so much it's just so weird and cool and unique um big john mayer fan who else bb i love albert king um and oddly there are some jazz people that like older like barney kessel i love his playing Yeah. yeah um yeah, I love Bonnie Raitt. Um, she can rock a slide like so hard; it's amazing. Totally. Um, yeah, that's a, that's what comes to mind. Um, and then Motown. I mean, I love Motown stuff. My mom would always play Motown, just cleaning the house on road trips everywhere. So, like the arrangement of Motown songs, like I'm just so obsessed with the simplicity of that. Like. If you really like study Motown, it's crazy how early um, the chorus comes in on those songs. It's like first 20 seconds, like 
hook, you know, that's yep. like such a cool thing to me. Like that's what I, what I try to do in my songs, you know, um, to like imitate the, the early hook, hook, reel you in kind of thing. Um, what else? My dad would always listen to like old school rock, like Credence and Tommy James and, um, guess who bread, you know, that stuff. So it's like a blend of blend of all that is, is where I'm coming from. That's really, that's really cool. Did you have anybody like kind of take you under your wing when you were younger to show you that stuff? You talked to your, about your parents, but a lot of people have an older sibling, a cousin or a, somebody that was like, Hey, here's this rock and roll stuff. Or was it just always there? Man, you know, I didn't, I didn't actually like, it's weird. Um, I think, well, I mean, I grew up in church and I'm, I'm no longer religious, but when I was in church a lot, um, I, I played drums in like the band and it was like the most fun I've ever had. Cause it was like the first time that I, um, got to play music with other people. And, uh, basically I would just like, I would just watch the band and like try and I would run home and like, try and figure out those chords and I would just like watch okay their fingers are here on the guitar I can do that too so I would would run home and and do that with my fingers and then it's like you know I would uh, Sunday after Sunday I would grab new chords from church basically um and and learn all these songs and you know what there wasn't really a specific person who took me under their wing but I definitely just learned from watching a bunch of different people you know would you say that that like um where like that drive is like a little bit of an obsession? I mean, that's oh my god, that's, yes. <laughs> it take, that's kind of weird, right? It takes us, and I relate. Like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm right there with you. Like, wanting yeah. to make that sound so bad. Like, I heard a sound, and I want to make that sound so bad. I have to figure out a way that this this person can make this sound or something similar, which is a really strange thing when you break it down to say it that way, but it's what we all do. We're all chasing. It really is. Air, yeah. Airwaves. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah, it is. It's like, um, it's so strange how obsessive I am about that. Cause it's like, it's like when you're playing Mario and you make it to the end of the level, you feel that like incredible satisfaction. Like it's like when you get that sound in your head and then you play it, like that's like, you just stumbled on, a big old pile of gold coins. It's like the coolest feeling. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Do you, and similarly, when you hit, you know, an open E and it, everything's just right. It's yeah. Like, oh, 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 there it is. That's what I've been <laughs> looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, um, man, I was, I, it's funny. I started like my whole, I guess, like tone journey, I guess you could call it like I think like three or four years ago is really when I started getting into like pedals and kind of becoming obsessive about my sound because like I was just really driven to, to find my personal sound. Cause like, I mean, there are just so many different people like guitar players. And when you hear Stevie, you know, it's Stevie, 
when you hear Jimmy, oh, yeah. you know it's Jimmy. And I was like, man, I want that. I want people to know it's me when they hear my guitar playing. So like, I I just went on this like crazy like rabbit hole. Like, I mean, I would just buy pedals after pedal after pedal. And then at the end of the month, have to sell them all again because I had to pay my rent. <laughs> um, but like I, I tried so many different pedals. And when I, when I found the OCD, it was like, oh my God, like I have found the sound that's in my head. And it's so crazy to think about gear and how, how gear affects just like, it affects everything. It's like in terms of music, like, um, it's like the people who make pedals and amps, like other people don't understand. Like these are the people who are allowing artists to create, you know, it's like when I heard that, that sound in my head and then I played the OCD, I was like, Oh my God, it's coming to life. You know? So it's like, I just feel like I owe so much to the people who make gear that it's, it's kind of crazy. I think that's why I enjoyed Nam so much. <laughs> so like, I, I agree with that. And I don't know if we maybe, Maybe because we have such an abundance of it, it feels like uh, to some people it's just a sort of a secondary thought. But even the fact that like, well, actually, you're a good example. The fact that you could go to to wherever you bought that guitar and spend 400 bucks and start making a career out of it. That's, yeah, that's it's pretty impressive. Epiphone slash Gibson group. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> you yeah, know, like it's cool. It's amazing. Yeah so cool it's, uh, and so like with i mean in in a weird way like you're you have the talent you you have the drive you're the one doing it but if like if there wasn't a guitar it'd be hard yeah. to do what, what you do you know it'd totally be hard to do what i do for that matter like it's all based around uh, the instrument you know as much as the musician because if that instrument didn't exist that musician might not be a musician it's a kind of yeah. a weird way to look at it but it's, no, it's almost the inverse of the tone is in the fingers type of thing. Well, if there totally. was no guitar, there would be no tone. So I don't know if yeah. it's in the fingers totally. Yeah, totally. And um, it's funny, like there's certain like gear that you use. Like, well, I got, I got a pretty funny story, but I was, I was on the road uh, a couple of years ago and my band and I stumbled into this bar in New York City called The Bitter End. <laughs> and um, there was this band playing. And there was no one in the bar but the bartender and the band. And we walked in and it was like free live music. And um, so we watched the band for a bit. And we were like, wow, they're like really good. They're like seasoned cats, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so they were like, we're going to take a break. So they took a break. And then my drummer was like bold enough to be like, Hey, we're on tour, man. Can we, uh, can we hop up and play a tune? <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, cool, man. Yeah. Whatever. Go for it. And so we, we used their gear and it sounded completely different. Like it was so crazy. Like I was using a strat and like a boss, um, like one of those, like, uh, effect switchers that has everything built in and like a line six amp. And then my bass player was playing like some like six string kind of thing. And it was like, it was so crazy how different it sounded. So it's like, 
it's the gear that that you pick and it's the gear that's you know made but it's like it's so it's like so much like cooking it's like the right combination will make the perfect storm you know of a and like if, if i'm making sense it's like the right guitar the right person the right gear like that could create a career you know that can spark stuff um so that's like that's my story though it's, it was kind of funny how, how different it sounded that's yeah i mean it's and you know conversely i've seen billy gibbons play through a battery amp and he still sounded like billy gibbons i, I mean yeah i'm not trying to be that be that guy to say that that's not part of it too it's just I I've made this analogy over the years and it's probably really tired, but I can't think of a better one. It was like, I, if tone was all in the fingers, then I think cannibal corpse would just leave those massive ant walls of amps at home and just play ukuleles. If it w- didn't matter at all, <laughs> yeah, know, totally. it'd be a lot easier, right? Just bring yeah. a, bring a travel <laughs> guitar. If it doesn't matter, it matters a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Steinberger. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Who's a, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Speaking of crazy stuff, you've been around for a little bit now. What's the craziest what's thing that you can, well, that you're legally allowed to talk about? What's the craziest <laughs> thing you've seen while, while touring? Oh, man. While touring. Okay, well, I, uh, I just got off the tour with this incredible band called Black Pistol Fire. And um, they're like, they're so rowdy. It's the most fun show to watch. But I went on a support run with them and um, I think it was like the coolest thing. But so there was one night in Detroit when the lead singer, Kevin, um, it was like during their set and he's kind of, he's notorious for crowd surfing and just like being insane um, during their performances. So like, like we were watching him and then um, he was, he was playing and then he crowd surfed a little and then he made it to the back of the venue where the bar was and he stood on top of the bar with his guitar and he was still, still playing. And then he just, he grabbed a shot from the bartender, slammed the shot and just kept playing and then continued to crowd surf <laughs> back to the stage. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So cool. That's fantastic. I was like, all right, I'm going to have to learn how to do that now. <laughs> oh yeah. That's gotta be your new stage move, right? Yeah, I mean, that. I've got think, to learn how to crowd surf. Have you not crowd surfed before? I haven't. What? I haven't done it. Yeah, I need oh, to do it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. it's have uh, you? It's oh yeah, yeah. I've done it a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, I came up, you know, come up, uh, you know, in the punk scene and you know all that stuff. So that's just that comes with the territory you're I mean of course maybe not necessarily I was I was an M not that big of a person so uh-huh. it's a lot easier for me to like tap my big buddy on the shoulder and be like hey throw me up there and then they do <laughs> but versus if he did it to me I'd be like uh no buddy that's just not gonna happen so <laughs> yeah I have I have had guys tap me on the shoulder at concerts before and I'm like I don't know if this is gonna work but I'll give it <laughs> the old college try <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I've done it. The key is you got to like you got to spread out like you don't want to be all on one person. You got to get as, you know, as wide as you can. That way, OK, you're not crushing somebody as even if you're little, if you're just all on one person, it's it's a lot to deal with. So, OK, um, so move I, swiftly. I OK, move swiftly. Yeah. Once you're once you're up, you got to get wide. 
and then uh, <laughs> okay. and then and then keep your head on a swivel because you don't know what's going to happen next. So right, that's my that advice. So that's, awesome. That's about as much control as you have. As you have, it's uh yeah, surfing is a very apt term. You have about as much control over the crowd as you do an ocean. So you just go with it. Sounds good. I yeah. cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll happen. Yeah, you, you 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 can get crowd surfing one of these days real soon. Yeah, give me like probably like a month or so to get my my. Uh, I guess is it what's the muscle you use most? Is it the core? Yeah, it's a definitely it- a, that's definitely a core situation for sure. All right, maybe Back, a couple of months. Abs, then. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna want to get your CrossFit in before the next the next tour. I think. Okay. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you went into the studio, uh, and I'm imagining that was just the best thing for a gearhead like gearhead like yourself. Did you just go nuts, or what happened? Oh what was God. the process like? It was so much fun. Um, I had been trying to make that record for I think three years. I had it written completely written and I mean the music industry is so insane so it's like getting funding for that record was just it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done um but I finally got a a publishing deal and and they they helped me with the the record funding and I got two full weeks in the studio which is all I needed and and um it was great um I did a I did so much pre-production for it I did a lot of studying. I did, I mean, I studied Motown arrangements, like we were talking about, studied a lot of pop arrangements. Um, I studied a lot of like lyrics and like little tricks that pop writers use. Um, and then I studied so much guitar tone. Like I listened like to songs for the deaf front and back so many times. Um, and I looked up, I just researched, okay, how did they get this tone? What mics did they use? What amps did they use? Where did they place the mic? Um, and there, you know, I even, I made a couple of my own mics. Um, there was like, I was like, I need some weird sounding mics. So I'm going to just make my own. So I basically took apart this Fender, like solid state Fender Frontman 15. Okay. So it was like really, really... <laughs> So I basically took the speaker out of it and made it a microphone. Um, And it was like very low end, just kind of unusable. I was like, okay, I got that option. And then I had this old like Urban Outfitters record player that was just, it sounded so bad. And so I was like, this thing needs to go anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's on its last leg. So I took the speakers out of that, like the really small rectangular speakers. And I made two microphones out of those speakers. and um. Those actually ended up underneath the drum kit, the whole record. So like they're this really kind of like crunchy, super small sounding mics. So they were underneath the drums the whole time. And like uh, my producer and engineer. Hold hold on real quick. I got to know. Yeah. Where were they under the drums roughly? Were they both like in the same position or were they where were they? Because I'm wondering if one of my theories is is right right now so it was near the kick it was like if you're if you're sitting at the drum kit um it was like to the right of the kick 
and like in between the tom, the floor tom, and like kind of under the symbol. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was by, I thought there was one by the kick because I was like, there's something to this drum that I'm not, it's like a reverb, but it's not a reverb. I'm like, yes. there's a little something to this drum hit that I couldn't figure out what it was. That has to I be. I mean, what it's it gotta was. be that. It's gotta be. Cause I mean, Ben Tanner, who produced and engineered the record, he's amazing. He's the best guy. But, um, he was like, he usually uses those like bullet harmonica mics underneath drums. And I was like, uh -huh. can we try this? Like, I just want to try this. Like, I know I made it. It's probably not going to sound good, but I want to try it anyway. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And we ended up using it the whole record. And like, yeah, it's like blended into every track. That's so cool. That's, that's so <laughs> weird. I, I wasn't even going to ask you about the drums, but I remember picking that up. I was just like, what? What is that? That is something. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. It sounds good. I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, it's that kind is of crazy. Okay, yeah. I interrupted you though. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. I, I'm oh, sorry. We're talking I about the of... recording process. So you're yeah, you're yeah. making microphones. Oh yeah, and then, making mics. Yes, yeah, and studying, um, studying and making mics. That's where we were going. You're studying and making mics. Studying, making mics. Yeah, and um. I basically raided my closet of, I mean, I'm sure you know this game, but I, I hoard basically everything that I've ever had gear wise. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I took my two, two Panasonic, uh, multi-track <laughs> recorders <laughs> that I mentioned earlier. I still have them. Yes. 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 That's fantastic. I've got a task gambling around here somewhere. This is awesome. Oh man. Yeah. Um, and then I I had my Casio that I I had since I was little, um, and uh, that thing's crazy too. It's like it's so old, and it's it's even advertised like now with MIDI. <laughs> you know, it's like right when like <laughs> MIDI was like really cool, and like really just kind of getting its feet. But it it's like now with MIDI is like an advertising point for it, but. Um, yeah, so I used that, and then there was also this little thing that my mom got me when I was first starting to write, um, and it's the the Boss, no, 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 the Roland VR600, I think is what it's called, and it's like a little digital multi-tracker, but there's like built-in sounds, and so, so much of the guitar came from that, actually, um, like the layered parts, so like... The, the basis of the guitar tones were definitely like blasting amps um, with different kinds of amps. So like I had like a, an AC 30 that was just like about to just blow up. And then my concert reverb also about to blow up because of how loud they were. And then like a couple of other really, really just low budget amps that, I was given by like friends cause they were like, we don't want this anymore. Do you want it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had like, like a couple of little render solid states and those two amps. And, um, so like they had those, those were like the core tone. And then on top of that, like I needed some like shimmery stuff and like basically like trying to fill the entire EQ spectrum with, within the range of the guitar. So, like, I had the amps, and then I had that VR600, like, a lot of the weirdo, like, 
I guess ethereal noises in the in the track are from that. Um, and then I also had this massive like experimental pedal board that I built alongside my other pedal board that I use for live stuff. But the um, the big one has like everything on it. It's like even stuff that I didn't like, you know, like pedals that I have that I'm like, why did I buy this? <laughs> why put it, this yeah, put it, put it on the big board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it. I put everything on there. I even had one of those little um, like those cigarette box amps. They're like thirty bucks. Oh, yeah, you the, know, the little smokies. Yeah, yeah. So I had one of those. So I I was like, I'm just gonna just max this out, and we're gonna try everything. I had every different guitar in there. I had um. There's this really amazing store um, in Austin called Rock and Roll Rentals, and they have just every guitar. So I rented like nine different guitars, um, and I it was like a, I rented like a Nashville Tele, um, a Strat, a P90, like uh, Godin or something like that, something weird. And then my bass player rented a couple different basses and a lot of the guitar tone is just layered up um, like Telly Gibson, my Sheridan. And then I had this like really, really horrible Strat. <laughs> it's like a, like a Strat <laughs> mini or something that I played. Um, so it's like that, like layered, you know, just like every little different texture just kind of creates this one cool sound like that was the vibe that i was trying to go for with the guitar tone on the record so it was a lot of fun a lot of experimenting mission accomplished it sounds awesome i mean that was like one of my big takeaways from it was like this this sounds oh this sounds so good listen to that fuzzy riff like i was like oh Oh, man man. this is this is so great but the way you were describing (laughs) that process it was even though we you know we do totally different things uh musically but that was very similar to the process when we were recording guitars. It was just like how many, you know, the only difference is you had, we had, we have a uh, three addicted gear, addicted guitar players in the band. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was all, there's just like, you know, it's just a ridiculous amount of stuff to choose from, but we, yeah. that's what we did. We tried to, like you said, fill out the whole spectrum of, of what the guitar is supposed to do. And that's yeah. what we shot for. And it was so very awesome. much the, the same process as what you were talking about. It's like, where's this little yeah. amp going to go? Uh, let's put it in this frequency range. Yeah, um, totally. So awesome. It's like the most fun. Did you do a lot of reamping or did you replay the parts? Ooh, I, I just replayed the part. There was, you mm-hmm. know, there's like, there was this like part in the process where Ben was like, do you want, do you want me to take this and uh, split the signal so it's coming out of two amps, or do you want to double it? And I was like, we have to double it. Like, it sounds way cooler when it's just played twice, you know? Um, yeah. It's just like, you get the different harmonics and, like, so interesting. Um, as a, Yeah. It's a it's weird really studio trick that actually, uh, what I've found is it actually accentuates the human component of the playing. And it's it's weird because it's actually a a part of the playing that that we haven't really been able to replicate super well with technology. You've got the mimic and that gets pretty close, especially in stereo. And 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 there's I think Keeley's got one, but I'm not sure if it's stereo or not. I can't remember. 
is probably yeah is. it's not it's it's the oh, 30 it's second double tracker yeah right yeah 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 i think it's, it's just not mono. stereo okay see that's that's kind of a an oops there i think th- that that effect is like if you're gonna get it it's got to be at least stereo if not right triple let's get crazy um for sure <laughs> yeah but it's it's weird it's like a it's a it's a hu- very human thing. We're trying to get a machine to recreate and we haven't really got it yet with a, which it's timing. So you would think we would be able to get some sort of algorithm that could make it work well. And we don't, we, we don't really, it still sounds better just to play it again. Most of the time. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like music still needs humans, you know, <laughs> I'm okay with letting a little machine in there, but yeah, it still needs yeah. us. I feel like, I, yeah. I think. P- please don't kill totally. us. <laughs> the, yeah, you never I, know when those know. robots are going to come to life. It's been talked about on this show before. When do you think the robots yeah. are going to come? Oh, man. They're probably already here. We have no idea. <laughs> oh, good point. If maybe yeah. we realized they were here, they would have failed in their mission. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Blowing my so mind. So we're talking... <laughs> so you're going reality simulation on this thing. You think we're living in a reality oh, simulation. Oh, Sorry, this is getting a lot weirder than you signed up for, isn't it? <laughs> no. Man, I love that I just stuff. wanted to talk about guitar pedals. I didn't want to talk about interdimensional <laughs> lizard people. What a kind of podcast is this? Man, I, I will know. talk all day about aliens. I love aliens. You want to talk about aliens? We're I mean, 47 we don't I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about <laughs> I would really like to talk about aliens with you. Let's talk about aliens for a little really? bit. Really? Well, yeah, let's talk about aliens. What do you want to talk about cool. aliens? What do you what, what's 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 on your mind right now regarding extraterrestrial activity? Oh man. You know what? UFOs are real. Also, I have this theory. I have this theory that uh the earth is a giant brain. And we okay. are all electrons. Yes, we're all electrons. Um, just whizzing around. Hmm. Just whizzing around. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing to back that theory, but <laughs> it's just a theory. But it would make a good comic book. <laughs> it would. It sure would. Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. You can have that one for did. free, Marvel. Like, yeah, just do it for <laughs> me. But what, what makes you think? What makes you think that uh, UFOs are real? Oh man, I, I've seen one. I saw one. Oh, okay. All right. Hold this. Sh- hold this phone. Tell me yeah. more about this. I want to know more. This is fascinating. Here we go. And I and yeah, you have so- to know, and the audience needs to know. I'm not at all poking fun. I'm. I. I no. am of the. I'm of the thought that universe is a big place. I don't know. I'm not it's saying. Huge. I've never experienced it. I've seen I've seen some people have some pretty convincing arguments and I've had some people who had some very non-convincing arguments. So let's right. see where Emily lies. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get the vibe at all that you were poking fun. So no worries okay, on good. that front. Yeah, not okay. at all. Uh, but OK, so I was in college and I was going over to a friend's house and I was driving and there's this part of Austin that was like it has no light. And it's, it was like kind of an underdeveloped part of Austin. Um, and so I was driving and I saw this light in the sky that just looked super different. And so I followed it 
like I was following it on the road and I came to this cul-de-sac and I stopped and then the light stopped and then it started coming towards me and I was like, Oh my God. And so I like zoomed the other way cause I was so scared. And then I got to my friend's house and I told her, I was like, Oh my God, I think I just saw like, I think I just saw a UFO. And she was like, no way. Like that's not true. And we went outside and we were just kind of like looking in the sky and this thing, I swear to you made zero noise. It was dead silent. And it, it just slowly like gravitated past us like very low. And I never saw it again. Like how low would you guess? hundred feet? You know, I'm not very good at feet stuff, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but Hmm. it was really, it was was really low field, like a football field or so way lower than that. It was probably like somebody like the roof of a house. That's how low it was. Oh yeah. And then like, and I've never felt weirder in my life than I did looking at that thing. Cause it was so close. What shape? It was a triangle. It was a, a triangle and it had, three red like lights on eat on all the tips of the triangle. And, and that was it. And so, it I mean, it could have been a military. It was red. Like a white so light. There were red lights nope. and then. Wait, and wait, then wait, redder. Wait, tip. wait, I'm, I'm getting confused. I'm trying to picture your triangle. So we got a, 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 like a white light triangle with red, red tips. Is that right? Or did I miss something? No, no. Okay. So it was a triangle and, uh-huh on the top of the triangle and then the like the three points of the triangle. Okay. There are red circular lights, like small. Oh, and then, I or, got you. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then in the center, there was this like white kind of light that was bigger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's I'm picturing it now. I'm picturing it now. Okay. It was crazy. And it could have been some kind of military thing, but I would like to believe that it was a UFO. <laughs> I mean, as the the little girl meme says, why not both? You know, could I mean, yeah. it could be both. I mean, government's up to a lot of shenanigans. We know that we know that for an undeniable fact. We know the universe is a big place. We know that for a fact. Well, I'm not ruling anything out. Let me just I'm just saying, just putting it out there. I believe you. I believe you saw something crazy. Oh, that means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> You've not given me any reason not to believe you. You're you're saying all I the mean, right tone things. Who, you know? I mean, you know, people are like, I don't believe that. I just don't believe it. And even I have Googled the image and other people have seen this image. So, like, I'm one of those people who saw it. Oh, now you're making me worried. I don't know if I want to walk outside because it. the time I came in, it was light outside and this studio has no windows. I'm sure you've experienced this before. And then you walk oh, yeah. out back outside and it's dark and it kind of trips you out for a minute. Yeah. I'm probably going to see this three, this triangle UFO thing now. Now maybe I'm just going to live in the studio. I don't, I'm not sure I'm prepared to see <laughs> something like that. I hope you see it because it truly was like really cool, but also very scary. It was like such an adrenaline rush. Did you get a vibe off of it? Like any kind of vibe? Yes. Like, Ooh, this is a bit threatening or what? Yeah, yeah, I got a danger vibe. Like, I was Ooh. like, you need to get away. Ooh, it was really, man, really I was, scary. I was but hoping I wanted it was more. a friendly vibe. 
this is freaking no. me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It's dark outside. <laughs> I'm all by my I'm all by myself out in this this room. Could be aliens outside. All right. good. <laughs> we're getting close. <laughs> we're getting close to the end. I don't want to leave people freaked out. What we needed people to do is uh you got a tour coming up. Where can people, yeah. where are people gonna where are you gonna go? Tell people where you're going. Yeah, so I'm going to a bunch of different places. I'm going to Little Rock. Um, starts on July 17th. And then I'm heading to Nashville for Summer NAM. Um, and I'll be in Atlanta, um, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, Newport, Kentucky, Sheboygan, Minneapolis, Evanston, Illinois. And then I go back to Austin for a bit. And then I, uh, a couple of days later, I go on out to L.A. Uh, for the Blueza Palooza Fest. And then I hit Sacramento and San Francisco and then L.A. And then that's the, that's the little run for July and August. That's a big run. That's a lot. So everybody, yeah. if, you heard, if you heard a date close to you, go check it out. Do it. Seriously, you won't, you won't regret it. Do it. Bye. All right. This is uh we're getting close to the, the last couple questions, and I would probably be in bad trouble if I didn't ask you what your favorite boss pedal was. My favorite boss pedal is the super shifter. Without Ooh, a doubt. Good call. Good call. PS5. Super yes. That's, yes, it is so cool. Wacky. I've noticed people are way quicker on the draw with that question than I had thought that they would be. Most people are like, boom, they know their favorite boss pedal like immediately, just which is kind of a uh, kind of awesome. I'm not I don't know what that it is. is awesome. Like it's very little, very little thinking on that one. This one, however. You yeah, know yeah. What's coming? Yeah. What kind yeah. of pizza do you like? Oh, man, I like all kinds of pizza. Um you know what? As far as chains, I'm a Domino's girl. Okay. Um, as far as as far as you know, local pizza in Austin, uh, Hoboken Pie, and then um, let's see. And then I, you know, I just really love all pizza. It's like my favorite food. Do you do you uh, thin crust it, thick crust? Or do you or do you just not care? It's just like it's pizza. Give it get in my belly. Oh man. It depends on it depends on how the stomach's feeling. But normally, even if my stomach is feeling bad, I'll eat whatever is there. <laughs> <laughs> you know. If it's thick crust and I feel horrible, I'm gonna eat it. You know. Anyway. Because <laughs> it's pizza and it's the best. It's pizza. It's a crime not to. Yeah, I think. it I really mean, is. That's how I feel about it. What's what's your type of favorite type of pizza? Oh, see, yeah, I get that a lot. And I kind of go between two like main styles. I love a good New York slice. I really, really love came to love New York pizza after going there a few times. And yeah. uh, that, that I, I crave all the time. But I, I also am fortunate to live by some really good like Italian style wood fired places. Like kind of kind of oh, New Haven ish, yeah. So we got we got a really good one that's really close, um, that I just love. And I've been mixing it up there a little bit lately. I've been getting their sopraceta with hot chilies instead of their uh, <laughs> mol- molta carne, which is their multiple meat one. So mm. 
hot chilies and uh, the wood-fired pizzas. It's a really nice combo. So that's that's where I'm at right now. That sounds so good. I'm going to get some after this. <laughs> okay. You probably should. I mean, treat yourself. This has been a this has been a real treat. I've really really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for hanging out and nerding out and all this stuff. This has been just amazing. Oh my god, likewise. It's been so much fun. Um I can't believe after all the the episodes I've listened to that I am on one. Wow, so cool. this is phenomenal. Well, you said you're going to be at Summer Nam. I'm I haven't booked it yet, but I am definitely planning on it. So hopefully we can fist bump, you know? Oh my god. Yeah, and get some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sounds good. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. All right, do you have any last thing you'd like to tell anybody before we sign off here? Man, you know, just keep on playing. <laughs> I like it. Is that okay? <laughs> That's that works. That works. Keep That's on a playing. Great thing to, keep on playing, keep on, people. Keep on pizza. <laughs> keep on pizza and then pedaling and fuzzing and all that good stuff. Yeah. It's what makes life worth living. For real. No, but in uh in in all seriousness, um yeah, I just want to say this podcast is awesome and I've learned so much and um thanks for for having me and for spreading all the knowledge and and everything that that you've um all the knowledge that you've given people. It's great and it really has helped me. I know that. So, thank you. Wow. Thank you. I and I hear I thought I was just talking about pizza, but that means a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. For Emily, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Psych. Just kidding. It's not the end of the episode. We thought it was. We, we really did. Uh, well, we started talking about some stuff on the Patreon episode, specifically at the very tail end of the Patreon episode that I thought probably deserved to be uh, public. And so we went ahead and used that. So if you listen to the uh, the intro, you know this already, but if you're looking at your podcast player wondering why there's still a bunch of time left, it's because there's more podcasts. So here is what Emily had to say in the Patreon section, which is now public, and I did something else for the Patreon folks. Also, before I forget, huge shout out to Dave from the Heavy Reverb podcast. He helped out with some noise issues that I could not get sorted out in this episode. So, huge shout out to him. Make sure you check out his podcast, and thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dave. You helped so much. Okay, on to the rest of the episode. Boom. We are in Patreon land, Emily. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great. I'm really trying not to make the dumb joke I make every time. So I'm trying. To, it's so hard. Okay. Make I it. Gotta, I got to do it anyway. <laughs> it's nice in here, isn't it? It's a lot better than it was over in that other lame podcast area where just anybody can listen. I mean, this, yeah. is, where the, this is where the cool kids hang out. This uh, is where the VIP snacks lie. That's right. This is where you can get every kind of dip for your Fritos. Hot pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hot no. pizza. <laughs> Have you ever had any weird snacks? Like, what's the like the weirdest snack you've ate just out when you're out touring around doing things? Mm, I got it right right here. I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, I went to a baseball game in Baltimore, and they have crab dip French fries, and that it sounds... was really 
it was weird. It but it was weird. really good. It, it was, sounds it was, like both yeah. of those things. Yes. Crab dip <laughs> was, French fries. It was they were like waffle fries with crab dip. Oh. Oh, that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. From the I ballpark. Would, I would eat that <laughs> up like no one's business. Wow. Yeah. And then they put like old bay seasoning on it. There's like, you know, they have like the condiment uh little counters. And it's like there's ketchup, mustard, relish, and old bay. And yeah. you put that on your fries and then that's it. Perfect. I yeah. I would watch I would watch a ball game and eat crab covered French fries. I'm not too you know, I'm I'm an American. <laughs> I'll, eat, <laughs> I'll eat that good old American food. Um, huh. I forgot I forgot about something that I wanted to ask you about uh on the main podcast, but I guess now is as good a time as any. What were you, uh, I didn't really get to, I was so in the whirlwind haze of Nam. I didn't really get to catch, what were you doing up at the Gibson booth, uh, at Nam in this last winter? Ooh, I was doing a couple of things. Um, there was a, a panel, um, for the She Shreds magazine. Um, yeah. So there was like five five different women. Um, it was me, Nancy Wilson. Um, and, and, uh, I unfortunately forgot their names, but, uh, there were three other women and they were great. And it was just a panel of, of, uh, guitar playing ladies. And we were talking about guitar and tones and, 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 you know, a bunch of other stuff and the music industry as a whole. And, uh, Nancy Wilson had some really cool stuff to say. Um, yeah, I think one of the coolest things that I heard her say was that I never thought of a guitar this way, but she was like, when you're, when you're playing a guitar, you're holding a weapon, you know, it can shield you and it can also, you know, lead you into battle. And I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> as a game of Thrones fan, I was like all over that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. accurate, though. I mean, it goes all the way back to, you know, the pre-electric days with, you know, Woody Guthrie and this machine kills fascists and all this stuff. It's like, that's true. You know, like, yeah, it is true. Like, it's not direct. It's not as direct as an actual, uh, you know, confrontation. But yeah, I, re- I really do think that that specifically the electric guitar for, you know, whatever reason, you know, uh, it's held up despite what some detractors want to say, it's been around for a long time and it's still cool. Like, yeah. It's still cool. Like it's so cool that rappers have to pick it up and try to figure it out. You know, like right. it's, yeah. it's, it's a cool thing to do to play the electric guitar. Of course, people it's... like me make it extra nerdy, but it is, it's still cool in, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I, I think that it, I think that it, a lot of artists have successfully used it to, you know, point out societal ills and drive their message forward, whatever that might be. So she's a hundred percent right in saying that. Yeah, totally. So cool. It was super cool to listen to her, um, talk and yeah. So there was a, there was a panel and then, and then I just did a, a performance, um, a little later that day. Oh, awesome. Uh, same day. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Performing at the Gibson booth. That's gotta be kind of trippy, right? You know, it was pretty great. From, yeah. Yeah. I would have, I would have freaked out if it was me. Of course I wouldn't, I'm not good enough, so I would never be given hey. that opportunity, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not true. That's, 
that's for people like you. That's what that's no. for. Yes, yes. But um, I'll be honest. I wanted to bring you back to talk about music and stuff, but I also would like to talk a little bit more aliens, and I hope everyone's um, okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. I know I am. Uh, yes. Yes. Let's okay. talk. <laughs> Let's talk. All right. So I got really into the aliens. I got le- way less into it when I was older, but when I was a teenager and like a youth, I guess, I was pretty into it. I was really into uh, the Foo Fighters, both the band and the roots of where that name comes from and yeah. researching all this old stuff. I didn't get so far into where I actually like, like super believed things, but I was, I was hyper interested on the surface level. So I'd like to know, like, what's your history with the, uh, the extraterrestrial stuff, you know, beyond your sighting that you uh, shared with us. Yeah, man, you know, I think, I think I just have always wanted to see an alien. Like it's one of my like biggest hopes for myself is <laughs> just to like see what an alien looks like. Like, do they look like us? Like, what do they look like? You know? And then like, it, I mean, I'm just so obsessed with aliens and I, I watch ancient aliens all the time on history channel, um, conspiracy files, you know, the whole nine yards. Like, yeah. uh, I've got this little patch on my jacket that I wear at every show that says I want to leave. And it's like of someone being abducted and it's like, <laughs> like I want to be abducted so bad. Um, Cause I just want to see what it's like where, you know, this world is not the only thing I have to choose from. If that makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and that sounds kind of like weird, but um, it's like when you go into a store you have a certain, like when, when you go into a clothing store, you have a certain selection of things. And it's like, well, if I could make something, I could have an entirely new selection of stuff. You know, like, I don't know if this is making sense at all, but it's like, this is the world as it is. This is, this is what it is. What else is there? You know, like. I know. see. I think, I feel like you're like, you feel like maybe Earth is like your local convenience store. It's got everything you need, but it's right. not necessarily what you want. And so exactly. you're looking for the Whole Foods. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Like, that is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I love Earth, you know. I'm a big fan, but uh, I would love to see what other options there are. <laughs> Do you think we could handle it? You think that if there's a if there's a species that is advanced enough that it can come physically be here and also somehow have figured out the way we understand pace, space time works to where they don't like get super old when they go back. That's always been my thing. It's like if they're here, that means they can't go back. It almost means like they can't take us with them unless they have some sort of crazy technology we don't know about. Because like, you know how like if you're on Mars or whatever, this is, this is such typical podcasting right now. It's amazing. <laughs> this, this is just what every podcast uh, is, except, mo- you know, when they're supposed to have a central topic, like guitar pedals, uh, they start <laughs> talking about aliens, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, it's not like, yeah, I think on Mars you would like age way faster. And then if you like, were there for a couple days and you came back to earth, I'm getting my math all wrong. I don't know which planet this happens on, but you come back to earth and you're all old. Cause you were on Mars too long. I don't know if that's real, but it makes kind of makes sense. 
I don't wow. know. Wow. You know what? That is a cool theory. It's like, uh, maybe that's why they, they try not to visit us. Cause they would be stuck in our realm. Like they'd be like no longer, they couldn't access their intelligence that they have in other worlds. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that by the, you know, unless, unless time is relative, you know, like what Einstein talks about all the time, then, or he, yeah, like he still talks about it because he's alive. No. <laughs> he's still doing it. <laughs> still wait, a minute. wait a minute, Blake. You've got some bigger problems if Einstein's still talking. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I get I get nerdy about stuff once in a while. And I'm like, maybe they have maybe they're real. Maybe they're out there. I don't know. But you've seen some crazy stuff. Could have been government, but could have been an alien. I don't know, man. You know, if it was an alien, I would. I would just like. God, it's just so amazing. Like, I think, okay, so you asked earlier, like, could we handle it? Yeah. I think, I think that it would just be like the most, like, adrenaline fueled experience that we would die. Like, and that's what really what I'm looking for. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's, cool. that's a little Like, cause dark. I, I mean, it's like in the most, like, the least, like, dark way. It's like, I'm not trying to die but I'm trying to be that hyped up. You know what I mean? I think that's like why I love playing music live. Cause it's just such a rush. Like I love that rush, you know? Oh man. I, so I, I think then maybe this, you know, it shows off a difference of personality. I've only played live a handful of times. Cause I'm just like, a, uh-huh. I, I don't really get nervous. Like I can, I could public speak all day. That would be no problem. I don't really mind even singing, but like for some reason playing guitar in front of people, I'm like, I don't mind pre-recorded. I can do that just fine. But like, man, I playing live. I turn into a different person. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. My fingers don't work. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Or at least wow. I feel like they don't. I don't think it's as bad as I make it sound in my head. But it feels uh, it feels really bad in the moment sometimes. <laughs> oh man, man, uh, yeah. That is that's uh, definitely a difference in us. But yeah. you know what? I respect it. <laughs> I I don't know. It's been so long since I've done it. Maybe that's the biggest problem. I'm just like, I don't want anyone to hear me play unless I've yeah. recorded it first and approved it. And then people can listen to it. <laughs> not, but not a minute before. I don't know. You know what? There are similarities in that though, with you and I, like, um, I, I, I am terrified of someone listening to me practice. Like oh, yeah. I have to have, yeah, I have to have the thing perfected if I'm going to go on stage, you know, like that's, I think that's where it is. Like, like I can't just go up there without being completely prepared, um, for anything that could go wrong. Cause it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's where the adrenaline comes from. You know, that's like oh, yeah. something could go wrong, but I'll be prepared. But you know, um, I know this next the next time you have a technical failure, as long as it isn't uh, a microphone, you got to tell your alien story. Oh, yes, that's a great yeah. idea. Well, I just I just did <laughs> uh, uh, my Carreras podcast here not too long ago from MXPX. And yeah, on it, he was talking about like his podcasting side kicked in one night because they had a major failure with one of the amps. And so he's like, well, we're not going to be done like fixing this for several minutes, like for a while. And people are going to yeah. get 
irritated. So he just grabbed the mic and just started talking. Uh, and I feel like that's a great thing that if if you have someone in your band that can pull that off, you should like that should be your MO for technical failures. If if you got a member oh, that yeah. can kind of go that you should just grab the microphone. Just all right. Listen, we got a little bit of a problem. But in the meantime, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's way more interesting than just watching guys fumble around on stage. So tell the alien story yeah. next time. Yeah, you know, I, you know what, there was, um, when I first started playing live, like I was back in college and, um, there was this thing, there was this battle of the bands that I was like determined to win. And like, I was like, I'm going to win this thing. This is like going to like really be like the starting line to my career. (laughs) This is battle of the bands. Yeah. Um, so I entered this battle of the bands. And um, I practiced and I practiced and I got this little band together and I had a couple of songs and we got two songs per band. So like uh, it was my turn to go up and I I got up there and just nothing worked. And um, I was like, oh, no, like, but luckily when I was uh, 18 and 19, I a lot of people don't know this, but I used to do stand-up comedy. Um, that was like what? my first kind of, yeah, it was like my first like experience with the stage. Um, cause I just like, I don't know. I, I mean, I've always, I just love the stage and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like making people laugh and stuff. So like I tried it out and, um, I, I pulled that out during the technical failure and, nice. um, yeah, and, and I ended up winning Battle of the Bands, and even with that. So it's like, yes, if you can tell some com- if you can tell some stories and do, do a little comedy, win the audience over during that trying time, yes, you can win Battle of the Bands. <laughs> pro tip. Pro tip from Emily Wolf. Look at that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, okay, now we got to take a couple steps back, because... As as scared as I am to play unperfected things in front of people, I should have I should have like maybe prefaced it. Like if I'm practiced up, I'm okay. But like sometimes we're like, hey, just sit in with us. I'm like, oh boy, no way. That's not gonna happen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, but like the only thing I can think of that would be probably harder from a performing standpoint would be stand up comedy. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, that sounds so brutal. So brutal. I don't I couldn't do it. I've tried it. I tried it one time at a at a friend's birthday parties. We were all roasting each other and I tried yeah. it. And I I am again. These are all my friends and I don't get nervous in front of crowds. And I was just like, <gasps> I have to make that. <laughs> can't yeah. imagine what that be like in front of strangers. What is like? Is it as bad as I'm thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. horrible. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's like, it's one of those things that's so incredibly addicting when it does go right, that it's like, when people are laughing, like, so hard at something that you wrote, because you want them to laugh at it, it's like, that's like, that's another little uh, tidbit of like, the feeling of when you find that perfect guitar tone that you've been looking for, you know, it's like, that little oh my God, I finished this Mario, Mario level. Like it's such a cool feeling, but the, the, the return on investment for comedy emotionally is very low. <laughs> um, it's like a, 
it's like that, that's why I quit because you know like I I mean there was this other competition called funniest person in Austin contest that I I did and I got in like it was there was like 200 something people who who went in and and did it and I got to like the top 15 and wow. I was like man maybe I could I, yeah I was like maybe I could do this you know maybe I could actually try and pursue this for a career um but I mean, so I had that one little glimmer of hope and then every single little gig after that was just downhill hard. And so I was like, nope, I'm going to stick just, with music. This is not for just, me. <laughs> so, just gumming just night after night. Oh just my God. Yeah. Out. Oh yeah. You know, like, you know how, I mean, when, when you're, when, when I'm playing music, even if, even if there's two people in the crowd, I can still escape into my music. And it's not bad, you know, but right. with comedy, it's so dependent on the audience that it's like, there's no escape. If you're bombing, you're just head first into it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, anyone who can make a lifelong career or even a short career out of comedy is like, just so like such a strong person. It takes so much emotional strength to do that. You know, I've been told it takes a lot of crazy too. Would that be oh accurate? yeah yes yes you'd have to be pretty pretty insane to be successful at comedy i would say um even to do it i mean you know but there's also like an element of like bravery and um but again you know there's no escape if you're bombing so zero you can't you don't have that shield that guitar shield <laughs> that's exactly you're what just I was like just head first into just blood and guts, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's no defense. Yeah. You're just, you're just going to get skewered and that's all there is yep, to it. That's it. Accept your it. fate. Just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Who would you say is crazier having had toes in both worlds, musicians or comedians? Comedians. No doubt. Interesting. For sure. Yeah. The public perception is of like the rock star driving his, you know, Cadillac into the pool and something and stuff like that. That doesn't get yeah. talked about as much in comedy as much, I should say. It's interesting because, you know, I've read a lot of bios like, um, like books and stuff about comedians, but I read Steve Martin's, uh, born standing up. And I learned a lot about, I learned a lot about the personality type of a comedian. It's interesting because the best comedians are just so incredibly shy, like off stage. And it's like very much in their heads and like, um, just like kind of drowning in their own emotion. But then when they get on stage, they release all of it. And it's like, it, when a comedian's on stage, it's like, if it, they're basically, this is going to come out kind of wrong, I think, hopefully not. But, but it's like they're they're seeking the approval of others, you know, just like everybody else on stage. It's like you're you're seeking approval, and like the the best, you know, musicians are ones who are just doing it for themselves, and you know, don't really care at all what <laughs> the audience thinks. But to me, at least. But um, yeah, uh, it's crazy how different the stage persona of a comedian can be from the daily life of a comedian you know, the daily, just everyday personality. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't think I had that, that level of crazy. 
<laughs> at least I hope I didn't. <laughs> but I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty wild that I even did it. But you know, I mean, it did prepare me for the stage as a musician. I, you know, I had a better command of it. I think just having that horrible bomb experience, just like knowing how brutal a stage can be, and then you know, letting it be that brutal territory, but still taking it on. You know. I feel like that's the most brutal. You can't you yes. can't blame the sound guy. You can't blame a drummer. You can't blame uh, any. No, it's just like no blame. I, wasn't, I wasn't funny tonight. I guess. And, yeah. And everyone just uh, they either booed me off the stage or just maybe even worse sat there in silence. And it's like yeah. I can't. I just oh my skin is crawling. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about something yeah. like. Oh man. Yeah. I can't, I can't, but I could yeah. do it with a guitar. I could physically do that with a guitar. If I was, even if I was like trying to be funny with a guitar, if I had that between me, I would feel much yeah. more comfortable, way more comfortable. For sure. Yeah. It's great. Has a guitar, guitar, is guitar like other than it's, you know, obviously it's your instrument. It's how you make your living. It's very, very important to you. You're, you just spent, almost an hour and a half talking about guitar stuff on the internet. Uh (laughs) I find it very, I still, even though I I'm surrounded with it all day, every day, uh, sometimes it's still the thing I need to wind down. Like it's still very much a therapeutic exercise for me to play, even though it's become kind of my whole world. Is that, is, is that the same for you? Do you still have that same kind of Zen when you get in the, in the groove? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like, well, okay. So when I'm, when I'm playing live and I'm on stage, it's just such an escape from reality that it's like, I don't have to worry about anything. You know, I don't like have to worry, um, about anything other than those six strings and the pedals and how I sound and that's like that's the coolest escape for me um and it's that's that's like my release really is my because like you know the 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 45 minutes that i do get to be on stage like i feel like my whole life is like leading up to those little pockets of time you know it's like because i kind of internalize my emotions pretty deep and then I just let them out on stage. And, and I think that's why I love doing it so much. Cause I just get to, I get to release everything, you know? So yeah. it's very therapeutic. And then, you know, winding down too. like, if I'm anxious, yeah, I just pick up a guitar and, um, you know, I mean, it used to be, it used to be substances is what I used to pick up, but now I, I pick up guitar and I've, I've been sober for, let's see, four, four years and a few months. Um, Oh, yeah. wow. It's been, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think, I think that's also a reason why I love gear so much is because it's, it's my cross addiction, you know, like, um, uh. it, yeah, it's, it's that. And it's like, okay, if I put all my focus into this, then I can have something to obsess over and it's healthy, you know, I mean, it's, it's nerdy, but it's healthy. <laughs> so it's, you know. it's healthy. That's right. <laughs> Did you hear that, honey? 
It's healthy. <laughs> healthy stuff. It's healthy what I'm doing out here. It's fine. It's totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that that's really interesting. I honestly I didn't know that about you. Is that is that something that you want to talk about at all? Is was a guitar part of helping you through that time, or or is that would you rather kind of leave that alone? Uh, sure. Oh man, I'm I'm an open book, you know. Yeah, I'll talk okay. about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll try not to get too dark. Um, I mean, you do whatever you, whatever you want. I mean, this is a this is your show as much as it is mine at this point. Oh man. Um. Okay. Well, so you know, I. Uh, it's interesting. I. I started my music career. Um. Without really knowing, like the ins and outs of how it worked. Um, and I would play, you know, night after night and just get so frustrated that no one was listening to me. <laughs> and it became this like thing where it's like, if I don't have the attention of every single person in the room, then I failed, you know? So it's like, that would kind of lead me to uh, this rabbit hole of like drinking. And so um, I, I drank for a, you know, a long, long time every day for a few years. Um, and I ended up getting like an injury. Um, I, I don't really know what happened. I think I, I may have blacked out, but I, I, I ended up getting a, a brain bleed. And so I was in the hospital for that. And that kind of turned things around for me, but I stopped drinking. And then it's interesting because I was playing really, really sad acoustic music while I was in the midst of my addiction. And then once I got sober, I started playing like heavy rock, you know? So it's like, that's like what I wanted to do. Um, and it's crazy. Cause I, I drinking was like masking that, like, I didn't know like, Hey, this is how you release your emotions. You know, you don't have to drown yourself in, in bottles. So, um, yeah, rock and roll is pretty much the reason why I'm alive. And, you know, a lot of people say rock and roll saved my life, but it, it really did. I mean, it's, you know, that's the guitar has saved me in more ways than one. But, you know, that's 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 the story in a nutshell. But, yeah, that's that's really powerful that it can have, you know, that big of an impact. It's it's um, and it's awesome to hear that that that's a that's something you were able to use to come out of that period. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think it's useful for others that if they're hearing this right now and maybe going through something similar that maybe they need to look at their, I'm sure there's not any non guitarists listening this deep into this podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah. so I'm saying maybe you need to look at it. Uh, you know, not only is this thing you enjoy, maybe it's, maybe it's something you need to replace what you're doing right now. I'm just speaking to anybody that might be in a similar spot. Sometimes, Sometimes they need to hear a story like yours. I think. I think. I think it's really important to put that stuff out there. I understand why somebody wouldn't want to because it's raw and it's a really difficult thing to deal with for a lot of people. But a lot of people are yeah. going through it, and the more that can hear hear from people like you, I think the better. So thank you for sharing all that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I. I I think everybody goes through these kinds of things for a reason. And if I were to keep it to myself, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to 
people who might need to hear stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the music business is just, it's so bizarre and so, um, taxing, like emotionally and spiritually. And there's so much that goes into like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, rejection that, that musicians have to face at a certain level. And it's like, it can get really, really, really just just bad. You know, I mean, it, it, it really affected me emotionally for a while. And then, and then, you know, I just started playing and I was like, Oh, this is how I can release my emotions. Just, just find my sound. And, you know, once I find my sound, I'll be able to really release my emotions properly the way that, that they're meant to be released. And so, um, you know, that's, that's really what keeps me sober and, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully somebody's listening and they can relate to it. Um, I know, yeah, it's, it's a tough business and it, it doesn't get easier. Um, but the cool thing is like playing live is, is the escape from it. And if you can make that your escape, then, you know, you're set because you get to escape from it, you know, for 45 minutes every night or however often you play. So it's, yeah, it'll make your show that much better. At least if, if, if the reason you're playing is to release what you have in, inside of you. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, wow. That's, that's really incredible. And I, uh, yeah, again, thank you for sharing all that with everybody. I think, I think that stuff, while it's difficult, it's, it's important. So, you know, yeah. uh, thank you. <laughs> is all oh, I can yeah. say. Oh yeah. You know, I'm not used to go- quite going there. I haven't really gone into that territory since, uh, Robert Keeley long, long time ago. And so I'm still uh-huh. not really, there's not really a good way to transition out of it. So, <laughs> I just don't yeah, think there is. That's it. totally cool. <laughs> but um, is, is there any, since we're on that subject, is there any resources that you have for people that, that were helpful for you during that time? Yeah. Um, Music Cares is a great organization um, that serve artists and musicians uh, facing addiction. Uh, so check out Music Cares. Um, if you're in Austin, there's, there's a, an organization called Sims, um, and they do, they do the same thing on a local scale. Um, but other than that, you know, I, um, oddly, I mean, watching intervention, I mean, it's, it's depressing, but it, you know, if you're, if you're sober and you're watching it, it, it shows you like, Hey, this could be me, but it's not me, you know? It okay. was me, but it's not me now. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I what I do. Um, yeah, and then just having you know people, the right people in your life, and who support you, and um, who want the best for you. You know, that's the most important too. So okay, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. That's that's really awesome. So. Thank you for all of this. This has been a great chat. We went all over the place. I had an amazing time and you're welcome back anytime. This was great. Oh man. Thanks. Yeah. That, that rules. I'm so happy to be on this. Thanks for everything. So awesome. Yeah. All right. 
Well, yeah, thank you much. We'll be in touch. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Talk to you later. All right, folks, thanks for sticking around for this one. I know it was extra long, but I felt like it was extra good as well. And hopefully you felt the same way. You know, share this with somebody you think needs to hear it. Honestly, who knows? Who knows what people are going through right now? There's there's a lot of nonsense in this world. And if we can help each other, why not help each other? You know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So if you can think of somebody that maybe is going through something like this and and or maybe you are. I'm going to put those those two resources she mentioned in the show notes, so you'll be able to find those really easily. And check out her music. I mean, you just listened to her talk for almost two hours. You should really go listen to her music. She's really, really good. I, I like what she's doing. It's right up my alley, so to speak. So, yeah, you know, share this with a friend, family, whatever. If you liked the show, you know, throw us an iTunes review. Join the Facebook group. Whatever. Shoot me an email, info at tonemob.com. Shoot me a message on the gram, whatever. Drop me a comment, whatever you need. Just let me know. I'll be around if you need any help, and please come say hi at Summer Nam. All right, until next week, have a good one. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.